Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, which we discusses everything healthcare. I am your host, Sean Needham, along with my producer in great, wonderful, beautiful Idaho Falls today, streaming live on my personal Facebook page and the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy YouTube site. Uh, today, I am honored to have Carl Duvall back. He is one week post bariatric surgery. He had a he had a sleeve put on. If you guys remember, a couple weeks ago, he was on our radio show, um, talking about uh, his uh, experience and what made him um, finally go through with the surgery. And today, I am um, honored also to have Tasha back on our podcast. Tasha Stafford is an expert in bariatric surgery and follow-up. She is a, a patient herself, and she knows all the right questions to ask. Um, and so I'm super excited to, to have both of them on as guests today. Carl, how are you? I'm doing really well, actually. Awesome. I don't know I thought I would be able to, you know, this soon out. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I can tell you, Carl, honestly, um, I don't know if uh, Lindsay's, Lindsay can see you online also, but I can tell you that you look a lot better than you did a week ago. Honestly, a, a ton really? better. So, um, Tasha, welcome back to our show. How are you? I'm good. Good morning. How good are you morning. guys? I'm do I am doing wonderful. So nice to see you. Um, so, Carl, tell us a little bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask some of the questions that only I that I just the simple stuff that I know how to ask, and I'm gonna let um, Tasha kind of lead the conversation because she is the expert in this subject. Um, so, tell me a little bit about the. The, the pre-hospital process and the check-in and the surgery, and then we'll just kind of go from there. Okay. Um, so uh, my surgery was at 8 o'clock. It was actually scheduled for 7.30. Um, I had to be there at 5.30, get it all checked in. So we did that. I was in a room with a bunch of other people getting ready for their whatever procedures they're in for. They did, you know, we did the preliminary, preliminary paperwork. Um, got me into the room where they, you know, they had to shave my stomach and just kind of, they didn't even really, it, it was, they shaved my stomach, they gave me some, you know, they had change into my gown and whatnot. And you know, it was pretty, pretty straightforward. They gave me a shot or I don't know if it was a shot or I can't remember. It's actually kind of foggy. I either I drank something or they gave me a shot to make me calm down a little bit. I wasn't too bad. I thought it'd be a little worse than what I was, but um, but the nurse that is actually prepping me was a former patient of the surgeon that I was that I was that was performing my surgery. She had the surgery two years prior. Um, she had the sleeve, so she put my mind at ease a little bit. You know, said it was the best decision she's ever made. Um, then. Once we did that, they got me into the operating room. They positioned me on the table. It was freezing cold in there. Mm -hmm. um, get me into the on the table position. They said, "Okay, you're gonna go to sleep." And next thing I know, I'm waking up in the recovery room. Bunch of people moaning and groaning around me, and I'm moaning and groaning because I got so much pressure inside me, and color had to go to the bathroom and. I was like, I need to go pee. And they're like, no, you have a catheter and you're going just fine. And I didn't realize I had one in. And I was like panicking because I thought I was going to do it right there. <laughs> so, and the only thing I really remember in that room is they kept telling me, you need to take deep breaths because this alarm kept going off. My oxygen level was too low. So I, just, I wasn't breathing deep enough. And 
And how long did the surgery, do you know how long the surgery took? He said it was about two hours. Okay. Um, and once I got to my room, I mean, the only thing I really felt, I had, I had pain like right here in my uh, upper abdomen on the left side. And he said it was from gas and the nurses said it was from gas. And that went away, that never went away until like two days ago. And I asked the surgeon, I actually called him on a Sunday and he was available to talk to me. That's cool. And he said, he said what he had to do was he stretched out my muscles so, so much underneath to pull my stomach out of the incision that he tore it and he had to stitch it back up. And that's, that, that was the pain I was feeling. And that's the only pain I actually felt was that torn muscle. Okay. All right. And, and so, that's basically Okay, so does, is that pretty normal? Does that sound pretty normal for a process like that, Tasha? That you know of? Yeah, uh huh. Because Carl, did they re they removed about eighty percent of your stomach, correct? Because you have the sleeve. Yeah. Mhm. Mm and that's that's common. I mean, that's common. Yeah, that's one thing I did read on that one of the support pages I was on that a lot of people had that pain right at that same area. So that's. But they were all saying it was gas. I don't think their surgeon maybe told them the exact the exact reason. Yeah. So, so, um, so then uh, you're still like, so what's your diet like? You're on a liquid diet for a week or something, or is that a month? Or how how long are you on this? So according to my, so I got a binder that they give me that they gave me. I'm on a for the first two weeks. It's liquefied pureed diet basically so right now i'm eating baby food stage one i'm drinking one protein they want you to drink sip on one protein shake throughout the day and five to six between a quarter cup and a half a cup of pureed whatever you want to puree um so i'm doing baby food and i'm doing pureed cream cream soups right now is what I'm what I'm eating and starting at week two they say the binder says basically anything you're willing to blend and make liquid liquid then do that and that lasts until week six then after week or at the start of week six they want you to they said you can start trying to introduce soft food so I'm just following their guidelines and that's what I'm that's what I'm doing so Tasha, let me have you ask some questions. Um, this is all new to me, and thank you, Carl, for sharing your story and um, you know educating me and our viewers and listeners. And if anybody does have any questions for Carl or Tasha um, about this surgery or um, about the process, give us a call. Taking callers five zero nine five three seven zero four one one. So Tasha, what kind of questions do you have for Carl um, post surgery? So Carl, uh, pre-surgery, you were, you had your whole stomach, right? So you were used to eating, you know, a certain amount of volume. Yeah. And then after you had your surgery, you're working through your diet progression, um, you know, where you go from liquid puree, soft food, and then you start introducing solid foods somewhere, what, about 45 to 60 days? Uh, yeah, they say week after eight, no, after week eight, yeah. Yes. Okay, so they're taking you through two months. Yeah. Um, so how is it different? How is life different from 
because you made the leap, right? It was a big leap to take to have bariatric surgery. It's something that people really have to think about because it is complete life changes after you have bariatric surgery because now you're operating with only about 20% of your original stomach. Yeah. How is it different with food? Like volume-wise, the sensation that you get, um, eating or, or, well, you're not quite eating, drinking right now. What What's different? Well, um, I wish I had one of the jars here, but a four-ounce jar of baby food. So like the first day or two, half of that jar was filling me up and like I didn't I didn't want to eat anymore right now I'm doing I'm doing so the four ounces that's going to be about a half a cup so I'm doing four ounces now at a time um but it's it is a mind game with me right now because I can eat you know, obviously before I could eat a lot of volume and now I'm eating four ounces of something and I'm full and I don't want anymore. Or I take a sip of water or I eat one of, you know, eat one of my chewable vitamins and that fills me up sometimes even. Wow. So it's just a, it's just a weird sensation. Like the first day I got home, I had, I think a total of four ounces of food and I felt fine, you know, as far as hunger goes, but it kind of freaked me out. Like, how am I going to, how am I going to maintain enough calorie intake after a while? If this is the volume of food, I'm only going to, you know, if I can only eat that much at a time or there is, cause they want you to get so much protein and, you know, if you can only eat four, four ounces at a time, how, how are you going to get enough protein? and all the other things you need to sustain. But I mean, obviously people do it. It's just, it's just been a mind game for me so far, but I mean, not as bad as I'm not, I'm not going to say that because I'm not really focusing on that right now. I'm just focusing on making sure my stomach can handle what I'm putting in and which I've had no trouble. I've had a few, maybe three or four cramps. If I maybe take too big of a bite or too big of a swallow, I guess of something. And, but it's not, I haven't really run into any trouble as far in, as far as handling anything so far. It's, it's, uh, it's so crazy when you first have surgery, because I can remember, you know, I could go through McDonald's and eat, you know, a Whopper and French fries and a Coke, right? Mm-hmm. And then after surgery, it's like, you're, you're full after a bite or two. Mm-hmm. And now it, your brain, it doesn't quite catch up to this is my new life. And then like Carl said, you know, the questions raised, like how much, if this is what I eat for the rest of my life, how am I going to stay healthy? But the fact is, is the stomach will naturally loosen and it will allow a little bit more flexibility as far as volume goes. Mm -hmm. So that way you can get in, you know, the necessary bariatric, I like to call them bariatric calories needed to, you know, retain healthy. Yeah. And I also noticed, because when you got your normal size stomach, it takes a while for the brain to register that you're full. So when you eat fast, like I normally do, it'll be a while before my brain says, okay, you've had enough. Here, if I'm eating too fast, which is way quicker, that that signal goes off a lot quicker. And still, sometimes it's too late. So I'll eat and eat then I'll eat another bite. And it's, it's, it's weird because it's a difference of one bite or not. 
right now. Like if I take one bite too many or one swallow too many, too much, it's like I can feel the stomachs and like tell me, all right, that's enough. You know, you're gonna cause damage if you, you know, if you eat a little more. So in a way, that's good. I mean, that is good. not in a way that is good. And uh, but it's just it's just you know everything's so much quicker now. So. Yeah, your stomach's so much smaller. One of the things that I um, I talk to my clients about because we're taught right after bariatric uh, surgery, right? They always kind of ingrain in you chew, 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 chew. You know, like constantly just like chew your food. You know, twenty to fifty mm -hmm. times, so it does slow down because your stomach is so much smaller. I know before surgery, I didn't put my fork down between bites. And now I do. I put my fork down in between bites and I, I chew, 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 chew. And then I take a deep breath before mm -hmm. I take the next one because it helps to slow it down so that you don't eat so fast. And then all of a sudden you're in pain because you just filled up your, your small little tiny stomach too fast. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I even heard, I even heard that's, that's a good tip to do even if we haven't had bariatric surgery, because I know I'm pretty good at eating fast and I can eat a lot of food pretty fast. But, um, <laughs> you know, if I slow myself down and put my fork down and like Tasha says, take deep breaths between my food, all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm full and I haven't eaten as much. So I think it is a timing mm -hmm. issue also. Um, I haven't verified this in a long time, but I remember learning in pharmacy school that we don't feel, and it sounds like it's almost instant with bariatric surgery, but um, I've heard that, you know, the, the signal from the stomach to the brain doesn't start for 20 minutes. So you can eat a lot in 20 minutes and be over full. So, and I, you know, there's probably exceptions to that rule, but I mean, in general, I think the slower we all eat would, it would probably be probably better for us. So. Go ahead, Tasha. Keep a uh, keep the conversation going. I appreciate these. These are great questions. Well, and you know, Sean, like you, so you're non-bariatric, so you experience hunger. So when you're you're hungry, your first signs of hunger is you start getting like that, you know, rattling in your stomach, and then and then the grumbling noises, and it's telling you you're hungry. You start sensing that sensation that you're hungry. After right. bariatric surgery, we're, we're like 20% vault, you know, 20% stomach than the normal person. We don't sense that anymore. So you don't, you, you, we, I, is that true, Carl? Have you not been hungry in, since the surgery? My brain's been hungry. Yeah. I think, I think, which they told me, see, that was, that was, that surprised me because they told me you're not even going to think about food for the first couple of months. That's not, that hasn't been true with me. Um, I've been... But I think I think it's mental. I don't think I'm right. actually hungry. Um, and when, like, they tell me, even with the the two ounces or four ounces that you eat per meal, they want you to take ten minutes to eat that. Um, so it gives you know it'll give your stomach time to sense that it has food in it. Yeah. But no, I've felt hungry and I've had cravings already, which surprised me because everything that I read and heard and people have told me that have been through the procedure just said, no, you're not even going to think about food for two or three months. You're going to actually have to remember to eat. That really hasn't been the case with me, but I mean, I do get full obviously really fast. So I, I want, you know, that might be, and Tasha, I, I would love your opinion on this. That might be. Um, just a perfect example of how we need to le learn to listen to our bodies. Um, I know I'm guilty of it. 
sometimes I think I'm hungry just because it's noon, you know, and I usually eat at noon or whatever. Um, but I think it's it's probably better that we listen to our bodies physically and know when we're really hungry instead of being all in our mind. Do you, do you have any comments on that, Tasha? I do, because I know um, a big part of my obesity problem was boredom eating. I traveled with my work all the time. So I just I just stopped in and got coffees wherever the next coffee stand was. Go into the gas station and, you know, get some chips and a candy bar and a Pepsi. You know, swing by a fast food restaurant and get something. I was, and, I, and I think now, you know, because I'm seven years post-bariatric surgery, I think now I wasn't really hungry. I, I didn't I didn't stick to any healthy standards by any means. I probably got to be over 300 pounds. I just mentally it was just like oh let's you know let's let's eat right. more let's eat. That's what my brain did. And after bariatric surgery, you don't really sense that sensation anymore. So it's like you have to set a timer on your phone like every two hours to kind of remind you, hey, it's eating time. And then you're trying to remember all the rules like no drinking when you're eating because you're either focusing on food or you're focusing on getting your liquid. Oh, interesting. And so yeah. You, you are way more aware after bariatric surgery. A lot of like in the first, in the first bit, it is mental. You're, you're working through all kind of the bad habits that you have that are ingrained in you. You got to work through them as you're kind of going through the journey so that you don't repeat it. You don't repeat it in the future. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so speak a little bit about, about that. I never thought about that. You can't eat and drink at the same time. So, you know, if your stomach can only hold four ounces, um, is that correct? How do you stay hydrated? Explain that. Well, so they told me don't drink 15 minutes before you eat or a half hour after you eat. But then they say they want you to take, you know, take a, constantly take a sip of water every 15 minutes. And so throughout the day you're drinking just when you're not, when you're not eating, they, they just want you to not do that. And they're not preaching like just water, you know, anything, you know, sugar-free drinks or broth or anything right now, just to get your hydration where it right. needs to be. And that's what I struggled with the first day after surgery was I didn't drink enough. So they kept me another day because I, I just wasn't. It was hard. It's hard. I, I didn't drink enough when I had a full, when I had a, you know, regular size stomach, let alone 20% of my stomach. So it was really hard for me to get enough. And you can't like before, if I was trying to meet a water goal, I could chug, you know, 32 ounces at a time just to say that I drank right. that much water. Now there's no way you can. Now you got, you got to sip or you're going to be in trouble. You want to speak to that Tasha? Is that pretty normal? Yeah. So, so Sean, you know, like after you get done riding your bike or while you're riding your bike, uh-huh. you know, that sensation that you get when you like take a nice big chug of cold water and you're like, Oh man, yep. that tastes so good. Not that I was a good water drinker overweight by any means, but you know, once in a while you take a nice cold drink of, yep. of water and take that, you know, just like sit there and chug it. Right. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> so right. it is hard because post bariatric, you have to drink it slow. Otherwise, if it hits that stomach, sometimes it, it, hurt, it hurts. And so, yeah, he, he so it, in Carl's stage, he has to be constantly sipping to right. stay hydrated. And then he'll focus, then when it's feeding time, he'll focus on his food. And then after about 30 minutes, because what happens is you got this tiny little stomach now. 
Right. And if, and if you're focusing on your food, you're filling that stomach up with food, but that stomach is so new because it's stapled, it's fresh tissue put together. It's so, it's so raw right now. And if, if you're drinking, when you're trying to eat, what it does is it starts exp- expanding out that stomach. And even after his stomach heals completely, when you're trying to eat and drink at the same time, either A, you're not getting your nutrition in because you're filling your stomach with fluid, or B, you fill it up and you it does get painful if you over overeat. And that's really one of the ways you can overeat is by eating and drinking at the same time and expanding out that stomach. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so tell me, Carl, about the follow-up process medically. Are you supposed to follow up, you know, once a week, or how how does that look? I have a follow-up two weeks after two weeks post then a month post, three months post, six months post, a year post, then once a year after that is what they want. Okay. I imagine that's a pretty common process. So have you have you weighed at all since your surgery? Do you know if you've lost weight? Uh, um, can you comment on that at all? Yeah. it was. I was actually pretty disappointed. I don't know why. I've never had surgery before, so I didn't know what to expect. But when I got home, you know, I hardly ate anything. They took part of my body away I expected you know what do I weigh now I got home and I gained 11 pounds from when I left and when I got home so I when I went in I was 589 when I got home I was 600 Um, so I've been home since Saturday and this morning I weighed at 592 so I've dropped eight pounds in the five days since I've been home I'm going to guess if you, and if you will comment on this, Tasha, I'm going to guess the reason there was a weight gain because they really hydrate you in the hospital with IV fluids. Is that correct, Tasha? Yeah. Yeah. It's common. It's common after bariatric surgery and, and a lot of people, it's, it's a major topic, you know, out there, um, that they, they gain bariatric and even plastic surgery. They come back heavier as well. So it's, it's common, but Carl, you're going to drop the weight so quick. Yeah. You're, you're eating so, so, so few calories now that within the next 30 days, the weight's going to start flying off. So I got a question for you, Tasha. What's, what's the calorie goal, like the intake goal post-surgery? Like once, once you're healed up and you're kind of, you know, you're, you can eat solid food again. What is, so I've never, no one really told me, someone, I, I, a nutritionist once said between 1,000 and 1,200 is kind of what their goal is, but what do you, what's your, I mean, everybody's different. I mean, I'm going to require more calories than someone that's 120 pounds, obviously. Just to Right, and, 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 and that's a great question, Carl, because this is my kind of personal experience with that as a, as a coach, is that as bariatrics, we get more fixated on the total calories. I have my clients work on what are your, what does your plate look like? How are you plating your food? What are you eating? What are you drinking? What are you snacking on? Really focusing on the habits. As you start losing weight and you get more active, then, and you start kind of settling into, you know, cause right now you're, you're 600, you're 592 pounds. So you're even, you're burning a lot of calories and taking in so few, even when you drop down to 300 pounds, you're still going to be burning quite a few calories and taking in very few. So as you lose the weight and you get more active, 
then you can kind of have like that calorie goal to support that activity. But what I like to teach people and really talk about is, you know, that's like kind of secondary to how do do our plates look like? You know, are we kind of adhering to the rules? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people, you know, if they get fixated on the calories, they start sliding, you know, and really not fueling their bariatric body. So, um, you know, for you, you know, like for me, like right now, I'm easily 1400 calories to 1600, depending on my activity. I've kind of never really um, went by the 1000 to 1200 calorie rule. But I did go by what's my body telling me, you know, what am I eating? Am I being active? Am I adhering to the bariatric rules? And if I could start answering yes to those questions, then I kind of started building my diet up a little bit more to support weightlifting, to support cardio and all the things that I was doing. So, you know, for you, you know, you could end up, you know, 12, 1400, your stomach may not even allow that because you also have to deal with your capacity, right? Mm -hmm. And it's easy to say, hey, Carl, you, you weigh 300 pounds. That's where you settled in at. You weigh 300 pounds. So a non-bariatric coach may say you should be eating 2000 calories a day. Your stomach may not allow that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really kind of, that's, that's a really tricky question. And it's kind of two parts because we have the bariatric rules to follow and we want to follow those rules. So we keep the weight off, but yet we want to remain healthy as well. And that's where like Carl working with a coach, you know, for kind of progressively who's like been through what you've been through and understands it can kind of help you a little bit more in your journey as well Mm -hmm. so that you really do get a good grasp on it now. And you're not kind of, I can remember about six months post-op, I didn't know what to do anymore. I didn't know how to eat anymore. It's like, I, I wasn't hungry. I wasn't craving anything. I just didn't know what to do anymore. I was lost, but a good friend of mine, he was non-bariatric, but he was very familiar with bariatric is the one who got me turned around Mm-hmm. And eating the way that I, you know, should be eating and kind of structuring things. I never really did think about how do I structure my plate? How do I eat? I was just grabbing things. And it was like two bites and I was full. Right. Yeah. Even because <clears throat> I did, you know, I did the work to lose weight beforehand, but it's totally different than what I'm going to be doing after. Because, I mean, I, I, when I lost the weight prior, it was totally just watch my calories, you know, put the right stuff in stuff in my body. But the main goal, once I knew what I was eating was right, then all I worried about was my calorie intake for the day. And I knew if I was on a calorie deficit that, you know, it, it, it would be working. And it did. And but now I can't depend on that calorie count anymore. And like right now, I don't know what foods I'm going to be able to handle you know, posts, like I was reading a lot of people, like the first thing they tell me to try in that booklet is uh, like a one egg omelet. But like, I saw so many stories, like that's kind of why I was, I made that post about the, about the support groups because 75, 80% of the people said they can't handle eggs. That's the first thing they tried and they couldn't handle it. And I was like, well, (laughs) what else, what do you consider soft food then? you know, all that kind of stuff. What do I try first? Uh, so right now I'm fine because I know just blend stuff up and whatever, you know, eat whatever you like. 
what whatever tastes good because they said don't really concentrate on anything except just healing right now so after that i'm i will need you know some help on what the right things to eat and you know listening to my body what it can handle and all that and carl when, when we're done i'll message you i'll send you a bariatric plate so you when you when you start transitioning to like your solid foods um even your soft like your soft proteins and then your you know your solid proteins I'll send you a bariatric plate, what I'm talking about, like how, how, what should our meal look like? How should we be portioning things up? So that way, when you get started, use that plate because it does really get you into the habit. And then as you start taking off weight, you get more active and you're walking all around, then, you know, then, you know, we can, you know, you can work with your doctor and your nutritionist, or, you know, you can work with like a coach and then they can kind of help you tweak your calories a little bit too, but I'll send you a plate. And, mm -hmm. I, and I love the plate because it really, it really gives you that visual perspective of how we should be eating now. Like, what should our plate look like? And it really kind of does go off the food pyramid. You know, we mm -hmm. should be nice and structured. Here's our protein. You know, here's, you know, a little bit of vegetables and, you know, here's a little bit of starches, you know, but we just don't eat the way we used to at all anymore. Mm -hmm. it, it completely changes. Right. Well, as always, I think, uh, and I thank you so much for your expertise, Tasha. And I think, as always, you know, whether we're bariatric or non-bariatric, diet is so personal for all of us. So it is kind of, um, kind of something that you have to, you know, uh, work with somebody that kind of specializes in, in, in bariatrics, um, you know, to follow up and be able to follow a good diet because, uh, I wouldn't really know how to counsel a patient or a person on that um, just because I haven't experienced it. Um, you know, and it's not what you're saying, Tasha, is it's not just as easy. What you and Carl are both saying is it's not just as easy as, you know, well, limit your calories. It's just not quite that easy because there's just so many um, variables involved. Right. And it's really, you know, it's, it's you know, you, you kind of get one shot to have the surgery. And you, you got to take advantage of that first year and take off really, they call it the honeymoon phase, as much weight as you can really during that first year, because as your body knows, Sean, your body adapts, your metabolism will slow down. Right. You know, your body does adapt because now, you know, he, you know, like, I know I was probably at least 3000 calories before bariatric surgery. All of a sudden my body's in shock because I'm eating 300 calories a day after surgery. So your body, even though it takes its time to catch up to that, it does catch up to that. So you want to take advantage to take off as much weight as you can during that phase before your body kind of really does start adapting, um, you know, to the, the calories that you can now consume. But yeah, right off the, right off the bat, you know, it's, it's so important to just, like you, Sean, you, you eat to fuel your exercise. When right, you're biking, correct. Yep. you know, you, you do certain things to keep you um high energy to sustain your bike ride right for us we have to just really focus on getting in the nutrients to keep us healthy and and stay healthy just and sustain life basically and so it's, it's really hard to focus <laughs> right. on calories yeah, yeah right so carl you mentioned something about support groups and i know in some of your social media posts you weren't having really good luck with support groups and um, I did comment on that, and I, I think it can be common a lot of, um, among support groups. My uh, 
my brother, when his um, son got diagnosed with type two, di- type one diabetes, they would go to they went to a support group a couple times, and it was it, it seemed to be more of a negative gripe session than anything else. So they quit going because it was so discouraging. So explain your um, explain your process that you had with that uh, a couple support groups or one support group you you joined on Facebook. I, I joined two. I just I just typed in um, gastric sleeve support groups, and a couple of the, the top ones popped up. And of course, they make you answer questions and all that. So I answered, and they they brought me in. Then I just started reading the stories, and I didn't find one positive wow. on either page. One positive. I mean, everybody was happy they had it, but everybody was complaining about. Either they were complaining, most people on there were early in the process, so they weren't fully healed. They were discouraged about what they could eat, what they couldn't eat, what what their body was able to handle. Um, some people were like, oh, I wish I could, re- I, could I wish I could reverse this because they were scared, probably just scared. I mean, everybody's scared yeah. with, with something they're not familiar with. And at I'm really, I'm positive about what I'm doing right now. I feel really good about it. I made the right, I know I made the right decision for me because I, I know I need more help than just my willpower because my willpower got me to 700 pounds. And if I'm going to keep relying on that, things aren't going to go well. So I know I needed this extra tool. So when I go to these support groups looking, you know, I want to hear success stories. I want to hear positivity. I want to hear all this stuff. And I go there and people are just complaining. And it's like, that's not what my brain needs right now. I need, I need a different, you know, I need a different outlook on this process. So I just, I just had to get out of there and maybe later when I'm struggling with something, or if I feel I need some others to, talk to about that have been through it. Maybe I'll, I'll go back in. I joined Tasha's. She told me to join hers. I joined hers. Hers is more informative than gripe session, gripe sessions for people that I've seen so far. She does her meal planning, sharing recipes, stuff like that. And we talk about all the time on this radio show. In fact, we, um, we call it proximity principle. I mean, you want to hang around the people that you want to be like. So if you don't want to be somebody griping all the time after your surgery, then it's something that, you know, you, that's somebody you need to change that. So great, great attitude for you, Carl, that you, that you, uh, didn't want to be around non-positive people. So, um, Tasha, do you have any comments about, about that? I'm, I'm sure you go through this a lot with your clients. Yeah, you know, there's if you type in, you know, bariatric support groups on Facebook, there's so many out there. And some of them are led really well. You know, they they are really well led. And then a lot of them aren't. They're just kind of like patient led, but they don't monitor them. And so it's really easy to kind of start getting lost in your journey because you're getting misinformation you know, and to kind of get in a rut because you're hearing all the negativity. And then you kind of do start like, you know, did I make the right decision? I don't want to go through what they're going through. But everybody's journey is so different. Like I run my group completely different because I am a habit coach. So it's like, what are you doing? Like we do winning Wednesday. I want you to list up like this is your day to brag about yourself, about everything that you're doing to support your journey. We do Monday challenges. 
We Love do it. Sunday meal prep. And so it's like you get that really good support group. And if you post up a question and you say, like, especially for Carl, because he'll go, he'll go through this where he'll say, um, you know, I'm in the soft food phase and I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of struggling. What proteins can I take in? You want a support group that can say, hey, Carl, you know, here's some proteins that I did during that phase. So he thinks, oh, okay, I didn't even think about, you know, cottage cheese or I didn't even think about Greek yogurt or That's something right. like that. You have you have people chiming in with good information back and that way he he feels like he has good support because part of this journey is about support and accountability right and the more support and accountability you have the more success you're going to have because like carl said willpower got him to 700 pounds he can only count on that for so long as long as that 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 willpower is really attached to an emotion right what we really go out after, after bariatric surgery is creating discipline. That's what we create after bariatric surgery because that will carry you through for your lifetime so that you never regain it. And another thing that I wasn't liking about the support groups, there's so many different approaches that even the, the doctors that do the procedure even have. Like some people are, some someone posted, yeah, I was, like one person said, their high, their high weight was, so they posted their high weight, then their weight after their one week preparing for the surgery. And it was like a week. I did a year preparing for surgery. Right, right. And, you know, some, some doctors are wanting you on solid food after two, I'm not solid food, but soft foods after two weeks. And it's like, well, that's not what my book says. So there's almost, there's almost, with the internet out there and there's almost too much information sometimes and it's hard to it's harder it's hard to decipher which one you should be listening to i'm i'm referring to my doctors that's a program i'm on yeah but there's almost too much information coming in too on those groups because everybody has their own opinion and, and the doctors have their own opinions and carl i had my surgery in mexico so i was kind of on like the two week two week two week kind of phase up to 45 days uh-huh with no support because when I had it done, it was kind of like, you know, oh, you're going to Mexico for bariatric surgery kind of thing. I didn't have any, any counseling before. I didn't have, I had a two week preparation of basically just dieting down and mm -hmm. that was it. But I had no counseling, no support, no pre-op visits, no, nothing. And so for you, you were up here, you were in a very structured program. You spent a year preparing. You had to go through certain steps to even qualify for this surgery. 100%, 100%, listen to your doctor. Yeah. That's a yeah, great thing. Even, even the noise that you'll hear out there in support groups, even the noise that you're like, oh, well, that's not on my list. I'll put that on my list. No, listen, follow your book that your doctor gave you. Yeah. And I feel like I got a really good basis because a lot of these people that were talking didn't seem like they're prepared. It's like, it's almost like that was their end game was the surgery that I, my surgery was not my end game. It was, it was my goal to get that tool that I need, that I know I need that even I was against it for 10 years. You know, I, I had a negative, you know, there's a negative stigma around it for me of people. Oh, you just can't handle, you can't handle it. Like just eat better you know that was my mentality even though i was gaining and would refuse to even consider doing the surgery then finally i was like you know what you're being dumb now you know some people 
including yourself, Carl, need extra help. And, you know, I, I think I laid a good foundation, even though it was irritating to me that the insurance company made me go through, you know, so much and that the delay with the COVID and all this other, all this other thing happening, it's going to help me in the long run because I didn't rush into anything. I made sure I did gain discipline losing 124 pounds and, you know, a year. So I know I can, cause I'm going to need discipline. It's not like I don't need discipline afterwards and I do need self-control and I need all that stuff afterwards. And if I wouldn't have prepared myself with the process, I wouldn't have had that basis to go off of now. That's a great attitude to have, Carl. Um, 124 pounds is, is amazing. 124 pounds in a year on your own. That's 100% right. 100% amazing. That is discipline. That is amazing. Yeah, and I think you're going to be successful um, just by doing that. So I think, you know, all this, the way it worked out, it's probably going to be good for you in the long run, Carl. Now, we're going to have you on in about six weeks again. I can't remember the exact date. Um, so what are you thinking, Carl? And if you could give him any tips, too, on, on a goal, what would your goal weight be in, in, in six weeks, Carl? Six weeks. Um, I would like to, so six weeks from now, I think, I don't know, seriously. Um I've been told at my size, I'm probably going to drop pretty quick. Um, 75 pounds, maybe. Tasha, can you help, help him out with that? I would have just, I would have thrown out a ballpark figure of somewhere between 50 to 60 in six weeks. That's yeah. awesome. So um, he's going to, he's going to drop, he's going to drop it. He's going to drop weight super quick. So probably in the next eight weeks or so, you might be under 500 pounds, Carl. That's, that's really cool. That'd be that'd be Carl, nice. make sure yeah. you take pictures. Make sure yes. you take pictures. That's right. Front, back, side. Like every month, take pictures. <laughs> okay. So and we're I'm gonna... also gonna do oh, I'm go gonna ahead. do a video. I'm gonna do a vlog also. Um just experiencing because I had a friend, actually my ex brother in law, who he lost over two hundred just exercising eating right and just the experiences that he goes through, he says, I wish I would have like documented it. Yep. Even like him being able to go to a normal store, clothing store, and buy something off the rack, yep. and not even the far right side of the rack. He says it's it's mentally just challenging and weird for him. So he said, so I'm going to start doing that. I'll I'll pick up my own YouTube channel and and start documenting everything along the way as well. Good for you. That's really awesome, Carl. So. Um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this session because we're going to be on. And, and Tasha, I would love to invite you. I'll let you know when that date is if you want to follow up with us. And uh, I think it's about six weeks. Um, I'd really appreciate it if you could be on. Um, and that that wraps up this session of uh, our midweek podcast of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in Monday at 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Well, we will have Amber Wentworth on. She specializes, she's got her own personal story of, of how she lost uh, 100 pounds on the keto diet and how she is helping to change people's lives um, on the keto diet now and give people hope. So I appreciate Carl. I appreciate you being on. I appreciate you being on, Tasha. And as always, streaming live on Facebook and the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy YouTube and go to all the podcast forums. We are on the podcast forums with uh, iTunes, 
iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher. Like those, um, share them, comment. We appreciate it. We love all of our listeners and viewers, and we will talk to you Monday. Thanks for being on, Carl and Tasha. <laughs>